You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, Episode 11. Today, we're sitting down with Texas-based nature photographer Linda Nickel to explore photographic opportunities in the largest state in the continental United States, which doesn't tend to get a whole lot of attention as a premier photo location, but offers a ton of opportunities for landscape and nature photographers. The information Linda shares today just might add Texas to your bucket list. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hey, everybody, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Before we dive in today's episode, I have a couple of announcements that I need to make. So first of all, those of you who use Apple Podcasts to listen to the show likely have noticed the changes that Apple recently made to the app. So one thing you may have noticed is that the episode descriptions are displaying a little weirdly and some of the links don't work. And they are in the process of improving that. So my fingers are crossed that we'll see a fix soon. So thank you for your patience on that. Another very important change that Apple made is that they have altered their language around subscribing to a podcast. So podcast hosts used to say, please subscribe to the podcast. But now Apple is changing that term to follow instead of subscribe because they are going to offer both free and paid podcasts. So for podcasts that are to remain free, the terminology will be to follow the podcast. And for those with a paid subscription, the terminology will be to subscribe to the podcast. My goal is to keep this podcast free for listeners. And if you've previously subscribed or followed this podcast, then you don't need to change anything. However, if you are new to the podcast and would like to be notified of new episodes, then you will notice the term follow and Apple Podcasts rather than subscribe. So I just wanted to make that clear in case there was any confusion. Now, if you would like to support this podcast because you're enjoying it and would like it to remain free, then you can buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com is sort of like a tip jar, and it basically helps me cover the costs of producing the podcast. And you can find links to this at outdoorphotographyschool.com forward slash podcast. And I truly appreciate the support many of you have already given. The second announcement is much more exciting, and that is that the Natural Landscape Photography Awards are now open for submission. One of the co-founders of this new photography competition is Matt Payne, who was our first guest here on the Outdoor Photography Podcast. We talk about why he and others decided to create this contest. So definitely check out episode one if you want to hear more about the backstory. Now, I personally am not one to participate in many photo competitions because they often have favored heavily post-processed images, which, while often are stunningly beautiful, also make it difficult for those of us who prefer more natural representations of a scene to be able to compete in such competitions. So Matt and others created the Natural Landscape Photography Awards to provide a competition for photographers who choose to work within the traditional bounds of the medium while still expressing themselves creatively. Their golden rule is that, quote, the integrity of the subject should be maintained, unquote. So they do allow certain post-processing methods, but not all. And you can learn more about their submission requirements, the amazing judges they have, and some important deadlines at naturallandscapephotographyawards.com. And they are kindly offering you, as a listener of the podcast, 15% off your submission costs if you use the code OPS15, which stands for Outdoor Photography School 15, at checkout. So again, for 15% off your submission to the Natural Landscape Photography Awards, enter the code OPS15 at checkout. All right. And with that, let's get to the show. I'm really excited to bring you today's guest, Linda Nickel. Linda is a Texas-based photographer who has been recognized by TexasHighways.com 
as one of the top 25 travel photographers to follow on Instagram and has also been noted as one of the nine best landscape photographers in Houston by PeerSpace.com. Her travel and landscape images have been published by the Texas Nature Conservancy and Country Extra magazine. And as an active Instagrammer, she curates multiple feature accounts to inspire and promote the work of other photographers. Linda is also the creator and host of a popular weekly photography webinar series called The Happiness Hour, where photographers come together online to connect, inspire, and create. And I was fortunate enough to be an invited speaker for her Happiness Hour, and I can vouch for the group's camaraderie and overall good vibe. Community and connection has been really tough to come by this past year due to the pandemic, and so I definitely recommend anyone interested in improving their photography while connecting with others to check it out. And so without further ado, please enjoy my fun conversation with Linda Nickel. So Linda, welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Brenda. This is this is truly an honor. So Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So so I already gave your bio in the introduction, but for the listeners who are not yet you know, familiar with your work. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about your your origin story? So who is Linda Nickel? Where are you from? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into photography? Sure. Um, I'm based out of, I grew up in South Texas. So I live in Austin and I've, I've lived in Texas my entire life. And um, I've always had a camera, always from a very young age. I think my aunts gave me a little pocket camera when I was child. And um, as I got into high school, you know, I, I carried a camera because I was on the yearbook team, but I nice. never really learned how to use it. I was always in auto mode. And a few years ago, I had been invited to join a group of photographers. And I thought, I'll go on a trip. I'm always up for a trip. And uh, these people were serious. They had tripods and flashes <laughs> and they were talking f-stops and shutter speeds and my head just kind of went oh my gosh I'm I'm completely uh, out of my league and spending time with those people um just a few minutes after meeting them one of them said follow me and I went down into a ravine in the Smoky Mountains with him and I went what am I doing here but he was so patient and he sat there and showed me how to use a tripod and showed me how to kind of stick my camera in manual mode. And that's probably four years ago. Okay. And that was kind of the moment when I decided, okay, this is serious. Yeah. I want to be better. And, and that was my first taste of this is what a camera can do. You just have to learn how to use it. Right. So, yeah. Well, how so exciting. That's where my journey started. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, so it sounds like you're you're self-taught largely. Um, largely, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I have picked up a lot of stuff. Um, I've been very fortunate to shoot. I love to shoot with uh, people that are better photographers than me, because every time you go out, you learn something, whether you want to or not. They're going to tell you, "Hey, try this," and every time you do that, I come back with you know much better images than I would have gotten on my own. Um, I learned a lot from YouTube. Um, and yeah. most of it is self-taught though. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, so we originally connected through your happiness hour, which I was really excited to be a part of recently. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, so for the people who haven't heard about it yet, can you tell us a little bit about what the happiness hour is exactly? And what was your inspiration for starting it? And how'd you get it off the ground and, and all of that? So the happiness hour, actually, uh, a year ago tomorrow, which oh, will wow. be, yeah, will be uh, the day that my office said, hey, we're going to work from home. We're going to probably be there for a couple of weeks, and then we'll come back. And my brain went, two weeks at home by myself? What am I going to do? Yeah. And probably about a month before COVID hit, several of my friends started their own businesses. And of course, COVID just pretty much, you know, put the kibosh on some of their plans. And I said, you know what? Why don't you come on to Zoom and I'll just have a couple of friends and we'll just kind of listen to your spiel. 
And after doing a couple of those, I kind of said to myself, this would be so much more fun if I could, you know, have a bunch of my photographer friends come on and teach each other something. And it kind of started from that. And I started pulling on people that I've gone on trips with or I've shot with. Um, And then one night I just couldn't sleep and I started going through my Instagram feed and kind of made mental notes of, I would really like to talk to this person or that person teaches. I wonder if he would come on. And it just kind of evolved from there. So April 1st would be our first full year of having people come on for about an hour-ish and Mm -hmm. talk about a subject that they love, um, whether it's um, inspiring others with their work or teaching them some type of skill set. It it was just a way of bringing people together to kind of escape, you know, that shelter at home and feeling like I can't go to my camera clubs, I can't really get out um, and, and feel like, I was looking for connections and that's, that's kind of where it came from. And so we've been rolling and and that's kind of what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. It was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. So how did you get the word out? I mean, it sounds like it started off as a group of friends and it's, it's, were you part of a camera club initially or? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's so many camera clubs, especially here in Texas. And I'm just not a camera club kind of person. Um, It started with um, literally my Instagram friends, a few people that I follow and uh, people that I didn't know necessarily. Um, but, you know, you send a message and just say, hey, I'm Linda. This is kind of what I'm doing. Would you be interested? Going in, knowing you're going to get so many no's and people are going to say, I don't know who you are. And heck no. And it wasn't like that. Um, I got so many yeses that it was kind of overwhelming uh, to be booked wow. six months in advance. Right. Um, and you know, it, it was kind of like, well, we might be not be doing this in six months, but uh, here we are, you know, <laughs> here. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's been, it was really funny because a couple of people said, great, I'm happy to do it. Uh, do you want me next week? And I'm like, oh, I really need you for June, which would have been five months later. Wow. And it's like, you know, even I kind of got shocked over about um, how well it was received. And so it's been a lot of fun. We've met a lot of great people um, and we've learned a whole lot of stuff, even stuff we didn't think that we would be into. So there's a lot of talented and skilled photographers out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Who are willing to share their talents, which is great. Yeah. So generous. Absolutely generous. Yeah. Do you ever get requests from your, the group of like what topics they want to have covered or anything like that? I get a lot of private messages um, that say, this was really great, but I would like to learn whatever type of photography. And the couple of times that I've gotten those requests, it just, it hit me. uh, I never would have thought about looking for somebody that did still life photography because that's not something I was interested in. And as soon as we had two people do still life photography, I was just Oh my gosh, it opens the doors to thinking outside of your your norm. And I think I found I found that very inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a few people. Most people are just like, we're happy with whatever you bring us. Um, but a few people have said, hey, I'd like to learn how to blank. And okay, you know, that's the one thing yeah. I'm really good at is my resourcefulness. I can find somebody to help me. And yeah. um People just do not disappoint. It's it's incredible. Yeah. So great. So great. Um, so we'll give, you know, links and everything at the very end. But sure. just since we're talking about it right now, if people wanted to check out the Happiness Hour, what would be the best way for them to do that? The best way is to go to my website, which is lindanickel.com. And then under that link, you'll find the Happiness Hour. And then just follow those links and, and jump in on any type of um, class or meeting that you find interesting. and and everybody's welcome. So it's, it's yeah. a free for all. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. So it's every Wednesday and it's every Wednesday. Yeah. If they so, want to att- attend live. 
Right. And if uh, you miss or you don't want to be on live or you miss it, uh, you can find it under Linda Nichols Happiness Hour on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. great. Of course, we'll put all those links in the show notes and everything. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So what what will be the plans going forward? Like once hopefully the pandemic is over, (laughs) um, will you will you continue it? Do you think since it has I don't think I have a choice. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I have a choice. Uh, You know, this was really just kind of a temporary uh, couple of weeks. We'll we'll blow through this and and move on with life. And um, I just it is such a great way to spend an hour and a half during the week. Uh, People join us from, it's really kind of weird, but people have found us, whether it's through Instagram or somebody's Facebook friend said, hey, she's doing this. We get people from every time zone. And when I have bird photographers, I had four countries that showed up and like, wow, how did you find us? So it's so funny what the topics, you know, a lot of the, the sessions are really topic driven. So, um, so I, I have people booked six months from now. So, and I, I have that, um, I love that people are coming and telling me this is one of their favorite things to do during the week. So, uh, it's so when nice. you get people coming, it's really hard to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. Cause right. it's really a social part of what I'm doing every week now. So it's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. 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 Well, congratulations on it. It's just a Thank wonderful you. idea. And it's so nice to see it have such success. And, uh, you know, here it, it it has such a great origin story of, you know, I just want to connect with other people. And now you're bringing all of these people together into this community. And, you know, it's so nice to see that snowball effect of positivity. Thank you. And thank you for being part of it. You know, you were somebody that I had found on YouTube and it's like, I wonder if she would come and you were you know, on the other end of it. If I'm sure you were thinking, who is this person and why would I do this? <laughs> and, you know, you caught yourself saying yes. And I'm like, yes, you know, on the other end of the email. So, <laughs> so. yeah, well, I just thought I loved the idea. I thought it was a great, a great idea. And, and I remember when you first reached out, I think it was like, last summer maybe uh-huh. and yeah. then and you were right you were like yeah well we're looking for march i was like holy moly that's all <laughs> are we going to still be in this pandemic by then but uh, and uh yeah we here we are here we are Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well so good um so one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast is because we don't often hear about um landscape and nature photography in texas and you know it's not really up there on the iconic list of photography locations. And, um, but, you know, it's the biggest state in the continent, continental right. U.S. And um, after looking through your images, I learned just how incredibly diverse of a state it is. And so I was wondering if you could paint a picture of what it's like to do landscape and nature photography in Texas. You know, could you describe the landscape and the wildlife and, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So Texas is huge and I have lived here all my life. So there's going to be a little bit of pride or arrogance. And I don't mean it this way, but we are super proud of where we live. Uh, I'm going to start you up in the panhandle. So at the pan, at the top of Texas, we have what I call, or actually what is called uh, the plains. You're going to find what a lot of people say. There's a lot of nothing out there. And it's just these plains of filled with grass and fields or maybe cotton, uh, cotton farms. Um, and you're going to see there's no there's no trees out here. There's there's a lot of nothing. But the light up there from sunrise to sunset and during storm season, you're going to get a mm. fantastic um I don't know, visuals of these storms or tornadoes coming through. So if you're a storm chaser, you're probably already familiar with those plains. Um, But we have a state park up there called Palo Duro Canyon. So it is considered, I believe, the second largest canyon after the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. And you don't really know that. And you get there and go, is it really this big? It is big. But uh, compared to the Grand Canyon, it really isn't. But it is a very large canyon. So you get these beautiful rock formations. And Mm. um, like I said, it's really about the light. You move down from, we're going to go east, and I'm going to take you to the prairie and the lake section, which kind of is the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 
And you okay. think Dallas, Fort Worth, cities, nothing really, really exciting. But if you just step outside of those little towns, you're going to find um, little state parks and um, little preserves, wildlife preserves are up in that area. Um, mm-hmm. So you can find there's so much land here. You're going to yeah. find that we've done a pretty good job at creating um, little parks parks whether they're your city parks or your county parks you're going to find some place to rest and just kind of catch yourself um with some moments of peace and outside of the buzz of a city when you go a little further east is the piney woods section and that is an area that i just learned about just a couple of years ago and i you know you live in vermont so that's where i think of Autumn, that's where we should go for autumn. And I took a trip, a solo camping trip um, to the Piney Woods. And I picked a little teeny tiny park that was family friendly. Um, Anybody that knows me that might be listening to this knows she doesn't camp. She doesn't (laughs) hike. What is she doing? But I went there and I was so surprised how beautiful it was. And I'm talking, uh, you get those, that leaf those leaf uh, autumn colors. Now we don't get the reds. I didn't see a whole lot of reds. We get a few of them, but that's not really kind of a dominant color there, but you get the, you get a taste of autumn and you get these, there's an area called the big thicket. So it's kind of a, it's a forest. It's a, a national preserve. So that sits along that area. Caddo Lake, um, I saw some of of your pictures of that. Oh my gosh, what an incredible place. It is. Come, come, come. Yeah. Yeah. Caddo Lake um, was one of the first places someone said, let's go camping. I went, I don't camp. And uh, we got to Caddo Lake and we went, and I'm not kidding, we hit peak season. I mean, the peak, the weekend that it was just like, holy cow. It was just these beautiful golds and bronzes and oranges and just, I'm thinking, I'm in Texas. So Caddo Lake is a freshwater lake. I believe it's the largest lake, and we share it with the Louisiana. So you're kind of sitting on what I call swampland. You've got these big cypress trees. And in the autumn, as the trees are losing their leaves, you get um, the Spanish moss. And mm. uh, if you go there, consider booking a uh, a boat ride uh they have these i think they're pontoon boats you get on and it's really hard to photograph on a pontoon boat but go anyway because under the cover of darkness and on a full um moonlight uh, night you're going to see these um the spanish moss just kind of you know swaying in the wind and it's very Mm. ghostly it's just a really cool um the scenery that, you know, that's not something I grew up with. So that that was amazing for me to experience that. So I definitely love that part of the state. Um, you go yeah. to South, which is what we call the South Plains. Um, I call it brush country, which is basically South Texas. And that's where I grew up. I grew up in um, where you get pear cactus and mesquite trees and anything with thorns that you might brush up against, you're going to get scratched. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. flat. Uh, it's hot. Um, it's not desert, but it is hot. It hits those 100-degree marks. And to mm. be honest, there's not a lot of great scenery out there until you run across a field of wildflowers that you don't expect to find in August. Um, right. You, I grew up in that area, so I spent a lot of time um, on those back roads. And every time I go, you know, as a kid growing up, you don't appreciate what is in your backyard. As an adult, you know, I just, you know, no one's really driving these back roads back there. And I'm just kind of amazed at the diversity of the wildlife, the birds. Uh, South Texas is in the bird migration path. So you're getting all those birds coming and going. You're going to get the monarchs and other different butterflies that I don't know all the names of yet uh, come through there. Um, And so when you go down, you're going to hit... the the coast the gulf coast is further down from galveston down to south padre island i'll be the first to admit the texas coast is not the prettiest beaches until you get to south padre island and and that and that's really pretty for texas there are definitely prettier um sand beaches in the united states and uh but if you're a birder 
Are they not that sandy or are they like, are they, they are sandy, but okay. we get a lot of, we, we have a lot of oil production and refineries mm. down on the Gulf coast. So yeah. come, with that comes pollution. Sure. Um, so the beaches are not, we still go, uh, I'll be the first I'm, I'm going, but when, you know, the first time I went to Florida, I just went, Oh my God. You know, I've never seen white sand. (laughs) I just had not experienced that. Now, if you go to South Padre Island, you're going to get some really pretty sand, really soft, beautiful sand. Um, But the light along any kind of coastline, those sunrises are just, especially in Texas, are spectacular. And you get a storm rolling through there. You get landscape. You spend time, you can spend time in nature because there's so many different. State parks here. We have, I think, over 80 state parks. Wow. So, you know, with a little card that you, you know, you pay an annual fee, you can go to any of them. Here's my card. You just come on in. Um, So hill country is kind of the area I'm in. So I'm in Austin. So when you butt up against the hill country, this is what a lot of people call uh, uh, heaven on earth. And it is this time of year because we are we're, we're approaching our wildflower season and our mm. Texas blue bonnets. There have been songs written written about them. Wow! And you're going to think, oh, it's just a little bitty flower. But when you see them in mass and fields as far as your eye can roll, people come from all over the place to just see them. And the hill country is a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's. Hilly, you, know, you can't call them mountains. Um, I had a friend come from Germany, and she says, well, "Where are the hills?" I'm like, "This is it. You're looking at it." She goes, These are not hills, and I said, "But to us, they are." So right. it's, it's, yeah. um, the central area is very green, and uh, uh, it, it's just—I don't know. There's there's is this so where many a lot, different a little of, towns. Is this where a lot of the agriculture is? No, not really. Um, I, I think there's we have. Ag- agriculture everywhere um this central area is just south of san antonio and it just kind of runs along these little bitty towns so maybe at one time it was farmland but right now uh it's been turned into a big we're texas is i think they're considered we're considered the fifth largest wine producer in the country so you've got like 16 wineries or vineyards in this area um they're bringing i had no idea (laughs) <laughs> olives they're bringing in olive uh, uh gardens i don't know what the groves i'm not sure what the word is um so it's it's very touristy so when people think of texas they think texas hill country that's where you want to go austin is the capital so you just you know you spend a couple you know take a day trip outside of austin and it just gets you away from the city so it's yeah. really pretty so the last uh section i guess of texas if you go now we're going west is Big Bend country. And this is our famed, we have two national parks in Texas. We have um, Big Bend and we have Guadalupe Mountain National Park. Um, Big Bend um, is undeniably one of the most uh, special places in Texas. You know, this is where the photographers go. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very remote area. It sits along the Rio Grande. So we share a border with Mexico. Mm-hmm. And there's a canyon in that, uh, which is my favorite place. There's a rock there. I call it Lindsay Rock. My friends make fun of me. <laughs> it's not my rock, but I call it my rock. Uh, but I'm sitting on it. And the first time I went out, I kind of went by myself, which was kind of silly or stupid. I'm not sure what, but I did it anyway. And I'm sitting on this rock and you're in the middle of the Rio Grande. And Mexico is on your left. And Texas, the wall of the canyon on the right is Texas. Wow. It's amazing. Um, you get mountains, you've got an elevation. That's probably where the biggest elevation is. And most people from Colorado and all those other Western states are going to go, that is not elevation, but (laughs) you get, you know, about, I think it's, I think the elevation elevation is about 8,000 feet. So you get the Chisholm Mountains. So yeah, that's high. I mean, compared to Vermont, I mean, our tallest mountains are like, (laughs) Three to four thousand feet. <laughs> so. well, well, there's only one or two of them, I think, that are that high. But they're, you know, there's canyons. Uh, there are these really cool rock uh, formations. Uh, I know other places call them hoodoos. I'm not mm. sure that's what they're really called, but that's what I call them. And then yep. you've got the desert floor. And if you um, 
get out there. It's dark sky. If you get out there mm. on a moonless night, you're going to see so many stars that you just, you're going to forget. You know, I live in the city. When I was growing up, small town, you look up, you see stars. I've been in the city so long that I forgot about the stars. And the first time I went out there was by myself. And I thought, I'm going to go out and shoot star trails. And I get out there and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many stars. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Um, So you're going to see a lot of photos um, of the Milky Way taken out there because that is one of the few places that I can see it with a naked eye. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how much light pollution contributes, even when it's off in the distance, you know, like here in Vermont, we have a lot of, you know, dark sky regions, um, because it is such a rural place and I can see the Milky Way in our backyard, but we, we, um, like, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, took a fishing trip, um, in, Idaho that was off in this wilderness area and there wasn't a town for hundreds of miles and that was dark sky. I was like, Oh, I thought we had dark skies here in Vermont, but no, this <laughs> is dark sky. And it is amazing to see it like that. And I, you know, I wish more people could have that experience. It's a, be- it's a beautiful experience. I just remember sitting out there thinking, this is amazing. And then the coyotes started howling and I went, oh, 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 what am I doing? Yeah. So Texas is huge. I mean, if you go from top to bottom, I would say, I'm just going to give you an example, but from Amarillo, which is in the panhandle down to Brownsville, which is at the tip, at the bottom, right at Mexico, the tip of Mexico, it's a a 12 hour drive. Um, wow. It takes a whole day to get out of Texas. And then the same, if you go from Houston to El Paso, you're looking at about 11, 12 hour drive. So, That's incredible. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of land to cover and it's very, very diverse. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's maybe it's a good thing that most people, people don't think of Texas as being a great place for landscapes, but um, it, there's just these pockets and you have to find them. And uh, it, it I don't know. Here's the Texas Texan pride. It's there's a lot to see here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It of, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, in a way, it almost sounds overwhelming of how how to narrow it down. You know, if you have a week or it's two hard. to spend in Texas, where do you go? You know, and you mm-hmm. really kind of need to. It sounds like, um, you know, dedicate yourself to one region rather than be like, I'm going to go do the whole state. You know, just pick a spot pick a region and try to dive into that before because yeah. it's so different. You're going to be looking for different things and it's just going to take a long time to get around. Take, too. I've lived here all my <laughs> life and I'm still finding places that, you know, I've been to Big Bend a couple of times and, you know, it, for me, it's a nine, eight and eight and a half hour, nine hour drive. And so to go out there, you have to spend a couple of nights just to get into the groove of relaxing and, um, but, you know, I keep catching myself in the same places in that park because I love them so much. And I'm going to have to keep going back so I can add a new section to the, you know, the park to my my checklist. So, yeah. 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 So cool. Well, thank you so much for that yeah. that tour. That was that was great. I have such a better picture now. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so. So Texas and Vermont were, were pretty different uh, in some ways. <laughs> One of them is that, you know, I when I'm going out to do photography, we have winter for, you know, a good six months out of the year. And so I'm I'm in, you know, below freezing temperatures and ice and snow and all of that. So I've never had the experience of working in intense heat. So I'm curious, what sort of, um, you know, special considerations or precautions do you need to take in order to do photography during during the hot months in in texas both in terms of like you being safe and also like do you have to worry about your camera gear getting overheated or anything like that um i've never had a problem with my camera gear and i've shot in 100 plus degree weather for a little bit of time um it's really about your it's about your body and yeah everybody knows drink water take water and, and I really can't over uh, emphasize that because the heat, it will zap you. And, you know, it's the basic stuff of water, sunscreen, hat. Do not, li- don't go out without a hat because that sun is harsh. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as camera gear, having problems in the heat, we don't, 
have that. I, I went to um, Yellowstone last February in, I believe it was 13 degrees. It wasn't as cold as most people have had it. And I was like, oh my gosh, my camera's, you know, not happy here, but uh, it seems acclimated pretty well in Texas. So yeah. um, I can't think of anything, you, you know, you have to be careful, of course, with anything you're doing. It's, it's really about yourself and making yeah. yourself comfortable because if you get a little bit of heat exhaustion, you're, you're done. You're done. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not a pretty picture. It's very, un, you know, it's, it's dangerous. Um, about a, two years ago, I wanted to go to Palo Duro uh, Canyon, which is up in the panhandle. And I had talked a friend into going with me and she's a hiker. She is, she's all about safety. She's all about, we, you know, I said, whatever, just get me up and get me down. I want a picture at sunrise. And she's like, great. Okay. We need to be ready to leave here about, you know, four 30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yeah, because by the time, you know, we were, I was the first person to get to the top of the rock at 8 a.m., but it was like a two and a half, three hour hike in. Yeah. Um, and we were hiking in the dark and headlamps and hoping that I'm not going to step on a rattlesnake on the trail. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's dark. But once you touch, you know, get to the top and you touch it and you're on the, on the rock and you're looking around going, Oh my gosh, it was so worth it. Yeah. And she's like, okay, it's time to get down. And he only had an hour up there. She's, we got to get down before it gets too hot. And yeah. by the time we got down, it was already, they were already clocking 101 at the top of the rock. And this is wow. at noon. Wow. And so it's, those are the things that, you know, people kind of underestimate. Oh, it's not that far. Well, right. It's farther than you think, and it's hotter than you think in a lot of the places. So you just have to do your research and be smart. Um, yeah. 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 And because it can turn around so fast, you know, if you're right. slightly dehydrated, it's just a right. rapid change, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when the heat starts to kick in. And um, yeah. yeah, I definitely have to be careful. I took a, a chainsawing safety class <laughs> uh, a few years ago. Because in Vermont, we get a lot of like trees across your driveway and in the winter and stuff like that. So it's just a good thing to learn how to do. And um, one of the takeaways was uh, the the worst four letter word you could have is just. And I think that can apply to so many things like it's just it's just a short hike. I'll be down in a minute or, you know, I, I don't need to bring extra water because I'll only be up there for an hour Right. Or, you know, that that it often gets us in trouble when we think like, oh, this is no big deal, yeah. you know, and brush it aside. So, yeah, I think that suits me uh, well is that I'm not as uh, smart of a hiker or camper. And so I over prepare <laughs> and, I, you know, I've, I've heard too many stories um, about people getting in trouble and um, it was kind of a interesting conversation to have, but it's also kind of like, I wish you wouldn't tell me this, but I was in um, the Jesus Mountains and I was at this little uh, mountain resort. It's not really a resort. Trust me, it wasn't a resort, but it was a great place to stay for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the woman that was there with us just kind of, you know, visiting and she, she turned, she was like the, um, of what she, the constable for the local county. And she was the person that had to go and, you know, if someone died, she had to go and announce, you know, pronounce it. So oh, she's man. telling us these horror stories of yeah. hikers in, in yeah. Big Bend. And I'm sitting there going, oh, we're, that's what we're doing. So you, you, in my mind, be prepared, take lots of water. That's, that's the first thing. Let people know where you're going. And as right. a female, uh, you know, I'm, I'm extra cautious because, you know, I don't know, I don't know this land. I don't know, um, you know, what's out there, whether it's an animal or just, so let people know where you're going, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let them have your plans because you think, oh, I'm going to go left. And then something in front of your camera lens leads you a different direction. And all of a sudden you are gone just a little yeah. bit longer than you thought. So, right. Yeah. 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 And it can be easy to get lost and yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit. So you, you also have a blog on your photography website, which is uh, Linda nickel.com. And uh, it's do. been really fun to read. You're an excellent oh, writer. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and I, I like the ways in which you mix a little, you know, introspection in with your experiences of creating your images and, and you really have a knack for, for storytelling. And um, many people like myself are more comfortable sharing the technical side of things, but you seem to focus more on the story behind the image and you infuse a little humor here and there, which I also appreciate. So I, I've been really, <laughs> I've been really having fun going through it. Um, and in one of your recent articles, you talk about hunting for an image, almost like a scavenger hunt. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this analogy is really interesting because it brings in this sense of the the unknown, as well as this idea of keeping your mind um, curious and focused and observant, like a hunter would need to be. And right. um, I often feel that way sometimes when I'm out in the field, too. So I was wondering if you could expand on that concept a little bit and you know, maybe tell us about what it is that you're usually looking for or paying attention to when you're approaching your compositions. Well, a lot of times um, I don't, you know, you, a lot of people visualize, I want a rainbow and I want it to hit this mountainside and I want, oh, I want a blue lake below it. In South Texas, you don't get those things yeah. <laughs> and you just don't. Um, I think you're referring to my owl story. It was the, the the owl owl yes yeah yeah yep, okay. yeah that yeah. was a great so, image by the way I love that that image of thank you, the close thank up you. yeah um, so I grew up in that area and as a kid my parents knew all the farmers and ranchers and um, I was on a lot of those places and you know it's been a lot of years thirty something years since I've lived down there and um, you know. I started going, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago and I started going home because I've got stuff to deal with for my, for my mom. And mm -hmm. so while she would sleep in, I thought I'm just going to drive around. And one morning I caught myself on those old roads and I'm thinking, gosh, I remember this place, but I, you know, have I been here? But, you know, fences go up and they come down and you're not really sure where you are, but you feel like, you know, where you are. Mm -hmm. And just, you see a jackrabbit and you're like, I haven't seen a jackrabbit in 30 years. Wow. And I remember yeah. posting that on a Facebook page and the, the comments that came out of it were people, they hadn't seen a jackrabbit in so many years. And it's just one of those really weird things that, wow, there's tons of them down where we live. Right. Um, and yeah, but it, but I live in the city now. I haven't seen one in the city, but um, it became a little project. For myself just i wanted to give it three years of three different seasons i mean three three years of seasons like i wanted to see it in spring when the wildflowers come in and i wanted to see it in fall when the last leaves were falling so i've been photographing this area and i've kind of contained myself to these you know a certain uh radius i guess um and there's a point where you have to say this project has to end and I'm like, does it really? <laughs> but in my mind, I'm thinking, you really need to put this down and either do something with it or just just finish it so you can start something else. And I started to make a shot list about two years ago. And it was really wildlife that um, I was after because down where I'm from, you're going to see tons of deer. You're going to see tons of white-tailed deer. But I wanted a certain rack. I wanted him to have X number of points on his rack. I didn't want it to be just a little doe. I wanted it to be a full-on buck. Um, we have bobcats in that area. Um, I see them, but never with the camera close enough or on the right mm -hmm. settings. Yeah. So I kind of made these little dream shots. And this owl was one thing because I've never seen an owl down there. Never. Wow. Um, and you're going to find owls at dusk because they're hunters, you know, they're, they're night hunters, but you know, it's a dream list. you you just don't know what you're going to find when you drive these roads. So yeah. sometimes my composition has to be out using my car as a blind. I don't have time, especially with wildlife, um, because you, you get what you get, what they let you see. Right. Uh, but when you roll through there, whether it's springtime when the flowers are blooming or in the summer where everything is brown and faded and you get a tree that's got some really good limbs on it, you can pull your tripod, tripod out and set up a composition 
and wait for the light. And the thing about Texas is we get good light, not all the time. You know, I certainly get white skies or gray skies, but Mm -hmm. you know, like everywhere you are, sunrise is usually beautiful and sunsets for me are even more special because I see more of them than I use sunrises. So you, you have time to, to, decide what you want to shoot and how you want to shoot it. So for me, it's just a matter of, you know, how do I feel about it? You know, a lot of times, especially in South Texas, especially in Texas, everything is posted, which means it's private property. You Mm. cannot cross a fence line. Um, Do not cross a fence line in Texas, (laughs) especially South Texas. Um, They take it very seriously. Yeah. And they don't really necessarily answer questions uh, or ask questions, you know, in some places that, you know, I've been. Yeah. Um, but you can certainly, you know, there's little farm to market roads and you can certainly set up your shots on that on the little dirt road. No one cares. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, you'll get a, a, a farmer on a tractor stopping going, ma'am, are you OK? And I'm like, I'm fine. You're scaring right. the rabbit. Keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but sometimes, really, sometimes I feel like. You get lucky and you get what you're supposed to see. And mm, mm-hmm. that's kind of like my that. approach recently is just, you know, I'm a planner in every aspect of my life except photography. My plan is to, we're going here and I'll get what I get. Yeah. And for me, photography could be just me and my camera, or it can be a whole bunch of my Instagram friends or my whole bunch of my photography friends that we just, you know, we can be lined up, you know, next to each other, shoulder, shoulder, and everybody gets something different. So, um, for me, it's a, it's a social gathering sometimes. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. And I I like hearing about your, your project as well, because I think what's nice about a project like that is that you can start to get to know that area even more intimately, even though it's a place you grew up, you know, you're now going back with different, a different idea, different vision of, you know, uh, what you want to be connecting with and, and having that open-ended mind to what you may discover that day, I think is great because I I think it, it opens up the possibilities of what you are able to see. Right. And, you know, I'm not a, a long-term project kind of person, but when you, you know, for the last three years, I'm shooting, I know where the red winged blackbirds hang out. I know where you can find cardinals. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, animals have their habits and their habitats that they like. And me as a person that's, you know, um, I didn't grow up in quote unquote nature. I, you know, I just kind of grew up in small town and you saw it as you're on the back of a tr- your dad's pickup truck. But, you know, if you sit and just watch, um, you know, it, it's amazing what you'll see and what you're, what you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just are quiet enough and I've had to learn that. And, yeah. and that's definitely something that, um, I'm, I'm kind of proud of cause I'm not somebody that can sit still. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's it's definitely a, a journey for myself to just kind of, you know, even if I, I will even go out and if I don't get anything, I'm okay with it. I've had yeah. two, three hours of no one's looking for me. You know, right. my phone has been on mute um, and it's, it's kind of a nice way to disconnect. Yeah. Know, yeah. Even for a short time. Yeah, well, that brings me to one of my questions, which is um, on your website, your your gallery of nature images is titled "Nature: the Fa- the Place I Find Peace," mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're talking about, and and I couldn't agree more. I, I totally identify with that. And um, so, for you, what is it about photographing nature that gives you that peaceful feeling? Do you think? I think it's uh, for me, it's looking at something and observing whether it's a color or a texture. If I'm looking at a, so right now my new challenge is wildlife. Oh my gosh, you wildlife photographers, I just bow to you. That is hard work. (laughs) Um, But to sit and watch, I had the privilege of spending a little bit of time with a coyote. Ooh. And just watching it, not realizing that I was there, even though I was 
pretty obvious. I was in my vehicle. Um, I probably got to spend maybe 25 minutes with it. Wow. And, you know, where it's, you know, kind of, you know, cleaning itself and looking around and, you know, digging a little hole. And I'm thinking, gosh, what are you doing? So it, it kind of gives you a peek into someone else's environment. Um, wildflowers, you know, I've been very lucky. Uh, Texas has a lot of them, especially this time of year, but to see them just kind of opening up and the colors under the sun, it's just, you know, sometimes you get that harsh light. You don't want to take a photo of it, but you cannot help but smell them because there's so Mm. many of them. Wow. And it really grounds me because I, I tend to you know, what's next on the calendar? I, you know, my calendar stays busy like most people and my attention span is really, really short, but for whatever reason, when I'm out and about, and then especially if I'm by myself, I kind of, I kind of catch myself noticing things that I had never even thought to look for. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, you know, you're tuning into your senses too. Um, you know, when you're realizing well, the light might not be perfect for this image, but I can smell the flowers and you're appreciating that. And, you know, I think I think those types of things can help us really get into just being present in that moment and sort of grateful for what we're experiencing, even if it's not leading to an image, you know. Right. And and sometimes it's it's good to remember that, especially if you are just sort of um, trying to get the shot and you're not getting the shot and that can be frustrating to re- also remember like, I just got to spend two hours out in nature. Like that is such a gift, you know, it it absolutely is. And, you know, we're all of us live on our phones. I'm I'm the worst, but I do catch myself turning it off when I know where I'm going, because I'm not, if I'm looking at my phone, I'm going to miss in a blink, maybe something, some bird that, you know, Right. Pops out in, you know, right in front of me. It's happened. But I've learned to turn it off because nothing I'm doing right now is more than more important than for myself just to kind of get grounded and and to look, you know, look yeah. around. And you almost have to down where I'm going because you don't know if you're gonna step on a snake or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because that almost happened. <laughs> I got so caught up in a spider web and I'm like, Oh my, cause I could see it as I drove by. It was such a big spider web. I'm, I'm going wow. right now. And I, I got out of the car and I got my, you know, and I walked right up to it and I'm like, got my macro right, right on it. And you hear this rattle oh, and you're gosh. like, I know what that is. I know what that is. Oh my God, where is it? You know? And, yeah. it's, and you don't you want to move down and you go, Oh, this was so stupid. Okay, so you kind of let it calm down and you kind of back away and then you go to your car and you get your telephoto lens and you take a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you send it to your brother and ask him, how how big do you think it is? And he's like, how close are you to that thing? Because, you know, I'm like, I got a zoom lens. And 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 he's like, I'm telling mom. I said, you dare tell mom. (laughs) But but you do have to. It, it does make you stop and think about what you're doing and what you're seeing. And especially right now I'm finding, um, so I've been photographing a burrowing owl that's not very far from my home. Um, I thought I was actually going to have to travel a little ways for it. And, you know, everybody wants that owl. And um, you have to remember that, the more people that show up and disturb it, you're, you're messing with its yeah. well-being. And um, those are just things that I have to keep in mind that I've got photos that I'll never be able to post because I, I don't want people to go, where is that? You know, right. I'm not yeah. about not sharing locations. I just want to be very careful with what you're sharing. And for me, sometimes, you know, I feel like this is just for me. Um, yeah. And and that's good enough. Right. So, yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I, that brings me to one of our, uh, one of the questions I had, which was, cause you are an active Instagram user. Um, so what ways do you think uh, outdoor photographers can use social media for creating, creating uh, positive change in protecting wildlife or natural spaces that we love to photograph? 
without that sort of unintended consequence of our images leading to further destruction when a location becomes well-known and and well-loved. It's such a hard balance sometimes. And I guess I wonder, is is there a way that we can be doing it better? Gosh. um, So in Texas, um, I think we're all about sharing because we want, we've got such a, a beautiful area and we want to share, hey, I took that in Caddo Lake. That's great. But you don't have to tell people exactly where you are. I'm okay yeah. with Caddo Lake is good. Um, I do curate a couple of websites and uh, websites, I'm sorry, Instagram pages in Texas, because the point for me was to one, um, show off Texas and show some of the pretty places and also to support photographers that are just getting started or or grandma's excited because she got a great photo with her iphone if yeah. it's a great picture it's a great picture i don't care what you take it with yeah um but i here's my personal thing um is if it's a national park market is national park you know if you if it's something specific on a trail and someone asks you private message them and you get a feel for, it. are they going to go just to get their Instagrammable shot right. or are they really, you know, care about the art and the creativeness creativeness. And I think that's, everybody has to make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Uh, for me, I grew up in South Texas and I keep saying that, but I did. And private property is a serious thing. And so I you know, if it's on private property, you just don't post that because yeah. not so much that people are going to trespass. It's more to protect them from the owners because you just, right. you know, people, yeah. people don't think a lot of times. Well, oh, and it I feels like to, it feels intrusive. It is intrusive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's kind of scary too. You know, we've, you know, we're, I'm on ranches and, you know, people are coming across and you're like, uh, uh, do you know that person? And a lot of times you don't. And, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, they just ran out of gas or something and you're going to help those people, but you just don't know. So to go back to your question for me, it's, I think that there's a big movement now of not, uh, tagging locations. Yeah. And I completely get that. And I, kind of kind of kind of supported a little bit um so i think it's fine if you're in a national park it's it's popular label it that call it california who cares but yeah. you know i don't think that you have to give the the exact geo tagged you know the the exact location yeah um, because you know that bird may not be there so right so, and, and also sometimes you know, I, I'm very careful of not asking people for locations because I don't want them to be put in that position to say, I'm not telling you, or these are, you know, it's just, I'd yeah. rather find it myself if I right. can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. that's part of the fun, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> part of my, that's, that goes back to being a, the scavenger hunt for me yeah. because, you know, I, I don't do photography for a living. This is all fun and games for me. It's, it's really about hanging out with my friends that, like photography and like going places because for me, it's the destination of, I love to travel. And so if I'm going to go there, I'm going to take pictures to share them with people that, especially a lot of my friends and family do not travel. So this kind of gives them a peek outside of Texas (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of travel, um, you know, clearly you like to travel a lot uh, and that's clear on your website as well. So once we're able to travel again, where do you want to go? What's what's first on your list? Oh, my goodness. There's, you know, I actually played this little game with some friends a a couple of weeks ago. You know, if you could only go one place and they're going to shut the country down again, where would that place be? You could only pick one for the rest of your life. And I immediately said, Kenya. Uh, or st- basically I want to go on a wild li- wildlife, uh, safari. Yeah. Um, I have been practicing for this moment for the last three years <laughs> and <laughs> of just shooting, you know, photographing, um, animals. And I'm, I'm not allowed to go to Kenya until I can get a bird in flight consistently, not just out of luck. It's like, I did that on purpose. So yeah. that's really my, my dream trip. I love, and I cannot overemphasize how much I love Europe. 
And I spend a lot of as much time as I can on my vacations there. Um, so anywhere in Europe, um, though my European friends are, you know, they're vying for me to come. And so they're going to pass me around like a baton, like a baton. <laughs> but um, I think my first trip is, um, is coming up. Um, I'm going to get Olympic national park. So that's the goal. Oh, wow. That's my big, that's my first trip. Cause oh, that's great. I, was, I, I was playing that game with, if I could only go one place in the United States, where would it be? And, yeah. you know, went back and forth and I, I really haven't seen enough forests and waterfalls. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I would like to, to see. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before we wrap things up, are you up for doing a lightning round? Oh, like gosh. a like a rapid okay. fire. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> you can do it. So, but no overthinking. Just whatever comes to mind. Oh, there's no overthinking with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favorite subject to photograph? Uh, probably flowers. Yes, I love your flower photography. Uh, I was you. really impressed by it. Um, what's one piece of gear you can't live without that's not your camera or tripod? Uh, 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 I think, I think my polarizer. Yeah, that's a good one. I, 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 I would have, yeah. I, I think that may have been, you, you said gear. So I'm going to say polarizer because yeah. I tend to over-polarize. I don't know. There's something <laughs> about it. I love it. <laughs> it's kind of like you can change the world to be whatever you want it to be today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, in your opinion, what's the best light to photograph in? Oh, I love, um that that sunset that just that those few minutes after the sunset that's oh, yeah. my that's my favorite i can be as a kid sunset i just live for those five or ten minutes after the sunset it's just like you know seeing that those purples and pinks that you just they're not real but they really right. are yeah. yeah 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 absolutely uh why photography and not another art form oh i've done other art forms this <laughs> This has just been one of the things that's, you know, photography for me is about, it's a, it's a social thing. Um, you know, I think like-minded people find each other and you can't really do that if you're making soap or mm. making jewelry. It's just you and your stuff. But with photography, for me, it's like, hey, let's go shoot this. Great. But where are we going to have our chips and queso afterwards? Right. That's that's the reason I go a lot of times. So um, it's it's the social part for me. So yeah. in photography, I'm not technical. If you look at my stuff, you're going to see she's not technical. She gets I get lucky a lot. But I shoot with a lot of people that are more technical. And after a while, you pick up a little bit about it. And it's, you know, as I've gotten more comfortable with my own camera and my gear and my, my technique and my, what I want it to look like. I'm like, just hush. I, I know, I know I'm doing it wrong, but let me just do it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, that's great. And I, I think that you really capture the essence of a place. Like there's something that you really get your, you know, you're bringing out that extra detail, that nuance that gets missed by a lot of people. and so. There's something very special about your images that um, so I really encourage people to go to your website to check them out. Um, so last question. Um, what does connecting with nature mean to you? Oh, my gosh. It means that it's for me. And it's, and it's a place that I can go. A lot of times I don't tell people where I'm going. I just get in my car and go. Um, it, it, it's usually three or four hours where no one's going to bug me. And my phone goes on mute and I'm not, uh, gosh, I do a lot of daydreaming out there, you know, um, about a lot of things, you know, you, how crazy your life is or what's, what's your next project, you know, stuff like that just does not seem to come to my mind when I'm in a quiet place with something really pretty. Like yeah. today I, I spent an hour chasing a ladybug and I went, Oh my gosh, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> and I realized I, I, you know, been out there for an hour and wow. I don't think I have a sharp photo of one, <laughs> but it, it, for me, it's just, it's good for your brain to give it a rest to, yeah. to yeah, do something for, sure. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a, a part of your brain 
I was just doing some research on this, actually. I'll throw it in real quick. But um, so we have the central executive network of the brain, and that's sort of like where we exist all the time. You know, we're responding to external stimuli like beeping phones and all that kind of stuff. And then we have the default mode network, which is what turns on when we're in the shower or on the walk or doing dishes or things like that, where you're sort of just kind of spacing out and daydreaming a little bit. And that gives the, you know, the central executive network to a rest, which it needs to have. And, and we can exist in this more like daydreamy place, then that's where the creativity starts to come out. And then the applying of the creativity is once we get back into, you know, action mode again, now it's rested and we're much more effective at, at doing that. So, so being, having that hour chasing a ladybug around is exactly what we need for, you know, good mental health and, and for creativity. So good job <laughs> chasing a ladybug. <laughs> uh, yeah. My yard guy was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, just don't scare it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the small, it's the small things that bring us joy. And, um, you know, you're looking for things that other people don't see, you know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I actually had to point it out to my yard guy. I'm like, do not touch this bush. I need that ladybug to be there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's for me. And yeah. yeah. Well, Linda, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and, and sharing your photography journey with us and everything and all your stories about Texas. And, <laughs> and I hope I get to, I've never been to Texas, so I, I hope I get to come someday. Well, I hope you do. And, and, you know, I've already told you this, you know, last week, you know, I'd like to know that when you come, because I'd like to show you around. So that would be wonderful I'd love to show yeah. you some great places. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. So for one more time, sir, people who want to learn more about the Happiness Hour and uh, your website and any other projects, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best place is lindanickel.com. And that'll link you to all the links to the happy hour, Happiness hour is not happy hour. Happiness hour. <laughs> <laughs> but you can drink if you'd like. If, you, if you, there are people that bring their drinks, yeah. Uh, and and my email is there. It's all attached. You know, it's kind of okay. you know for somebody that wasn't going to be on social media, I kind of went all out. So yeah. you can find a lot about me on my website. So, Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes, and uh, so people can find them there. Thanks so much, Brenda. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Linda Nickel. And again, you can find out more about Linda's Happiness Hour and her photography and blog at lindanickel.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-N-I-C-K-E-L-L.com. And all of the links and other information mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at outdoorphotographyschool.com forward slash episode 11. Again, thank you, Linda, for coming on the show. And thank you, listeners, for sticking around until the end. I appreciate you, and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. Don't forget to check out the Natural Landscape Photography Awards at naturallandscapeawards.com and use the coupon code OPS15 to get 15% off your submission. We have several exciting guests coming up on the podcast, including Sarah Marino, whose work I greatly admire and whose approach to composition I find very inspiring. And shortly after that, we'll have Courtney Harvey, who is an expert in wilderness first aid and is a certified wilderness first responder to chat with us about all things related to safety in the outdoors. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on these great conversations. And I'll be back here next week with a Tidbit Tuesday episode where I'll also be answering a couple of your submitted questions. If you'd like to submit a question to be answered on Tidbit Tuesday, just head on over to outdoorphotographyschool.com forward slash podcast and you'll be able to record your short message. Till then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care. <laughs>